Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 8th of April 2018, entitled Hindrances of Satan, Part 4. And the Bible readings are taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 20, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We've been looking here for a, 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 a few weeks. Of course, we were away for uh, uh, Easter last weekend, but uh, we'd like to, uh, to read this, this passage to you. Uh, again, this morning, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, not a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And then if you... And keep your finger there because we'll coming, be coming back there in a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 6, this is approximately 12 years later after he wrote to the church at Thessalonica of his intentions there and what was happening. About 12 years later, he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he writes here, beginning in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May the Lord richly add his blessings to the reading of his word. Amen. You may be seated as we continue this morning. We are looking at this passage that we have been looking at for the last, I think this is the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, part four. And uh, as, we, as we look there today, of course, following after our conference, which is based around Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 20, that we looked there, we said that as we look back 12 years prior to Paul writing that letter to the Ephesians, he wrote this letter to, to Thessalonica. And we've looked at a number of things here that, first of all, all of his intentions, he was there, his purpose above all else, we see time and time again throughout that chapter was to preach the gospel, not with his own abilities, not with his own enticements, but under the power of God. He was doing that, but there were, they were facing many contentions. Many things were coming against them that was hindering them in doing that. But yet that gospel continued to be preached and it continued to change lives and even to the point that all of their hope, their joy, their crown of their rejoicing, everything was in these, these children of God, those that had come to, to put their faith and trust in that precious gospel that they'd been preaching to them. But we find something there that we focused upon because we said uh, as we focused upon how that we could fight these battles ourselves, probably end up losing, or that we could take the advantage that we have as believers and fight them in the strength of the Lord. The passage you see on the screen before you, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I remind you, we find here that Paul told the church at Thessalonians in verse 18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Now, if Satan could hinder the apostle Paul, we need to recognize that Satan would hinder us and he would do anything that he can. And so this really is a a practical focus as we come behind our series of fighting these spiritual battles of how might Satan want to hinder you? What are some of the ways that, that, that he would hinder you and, and why he would, would do those things and seek to do them? And of course, we've, we've already looked at a number of things. Let me just summarize very quickly. Be reminded of some facts that God has given us about our enemy the reality of his presence. Satan is real. It is a battle that we are involved in. Whether we are lost or whether you're a believer today, Satan is your enemy. Job 2.2, 2, and the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it. Satan is real. He is a person. 
We need to recognize the realm of his power, which we just read there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That is the power that we have to fight against. The reason? Well, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all things that is called God. That's what got him booted out of heaven in the first place, exalting himself above God, wanting to take the throne, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He wants to be God of your life. He wants to be God of all. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Remember that, folks, remember and then we looked in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the mystery of iniquity that doth already work, he said. Only he who now letteth, the same word that hinders, he that now letteth will let, he that now hinders will hinder until he be taken out of the way. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he's the only one that will take him out of the way. We need to realize who our enemy is. Now, We've already seen these, and you can go back and listen to them. If you, if, if, if you weren't here, we saw, first of all, that Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. That is what everything else hinges on. He hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. What was it Paul said that they were even being uh, forbidden there in our, in our reading in 1 Thessalonians 2.16, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. That was the reason that they didn't want them to speak to them. We looked at a number of things there. Satan will use anything that he can to keep the sinner from coming to Christ. He'll use the learned crowd. He'll use the secular crowd. He'll use the religious crowd. He'll use the spiritual crowd. We looked at all those passages, different illustrations in Scripture where people were hindered in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ, but we said that Satan hinders you from coming to church. You see, it doesn't matter if you're a sinner or if you're saved. Satan wants to hinder you from coming to church, but not just any church. Satan wants to hinder you from coming to church in a place where the Word of God is preached. You see, if you're a lost person, we, we, we looked in our Bible studies, there is only there is only one place that you can find the truth that will save your soul. There's only one place that you'll find the gospel recorded. That's the Word of God. We find that Satan will do anything that he can because the Bible tells us that, <laughs> he says, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is what? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground truth. You can go back and you can listen to that tape. But you see, he'll do anything that he can to keep you from the house of God because if you are lost, he does not want you to hear the truth. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. You can go anywhere you want to. You can do all the religious things you want to, and it can be as formal religious service as it can possibly be. That's fine. But he doesn't want you in a church that will give you the truth doesn't want you to know what you need to do to be saved. But as a believer, he doesn't want you there either. And for a lot of reasons, he doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to become more like Christ because your great purpose in life is that the work of Jesus Christ might take place through your life. I know there seems to be a lot of things in this world that are important to us and that our lives are, are focused around. But in reality, as a child of God, the real purpose in your being is that the work of Jesus Christ can be carried on through you because he, the Spirit, lives and dwells within you. He'll do anything he can. Don't you understand? If you're an unbeliever, he does not want you to be saved. If you're a believer, he does not want you to grow. He does not want you. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. God wants you to be exhorted. 
God wants you to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You better realize he doesn't care what he has to do. He doesn't care. He'll tell you that it doesn't matter. He'll tell you that you need your rest. He'll tell you that there's too many other more important things to do. He'll tell you anything that he can to keep you away from the word of God and from those that might exhort you and encourage you in the faith. Satan hinders people. Satan will hinder you any way he can from coming to church where the Word of God is being taught and preached and where your brothers and sisters in Christ gather together to be one with you. But I want us to move on. And this one is for the believers. You see, we see how he wants to hinder the lost person in any way he can from coming to Christ. We see how he wants to hinder everybody, the lost and the saved, from coming to church where the Word of God is being preached and taught. But Satan wants to hinder the Christian from being consecrated to Christ, being consecrated to Christ, being set apart. In other words, he doesn't want you to do anything in your life that may, might make you more like Jesus, that might set you apart from this world. Be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the only thing that's going to make you more like him. The world will make you more and more and more like itself. It will. There's no way you can get around that. In our passage in verse 12, Paul was writing to them. He said in verse 11, and you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. I can honestly, honestly tell you from the depths of my heart that that's exactly how I feel week after week after week towards every one of you. It hurts me deep inside. See, I don't love you any less when you mess up. I don't love you any less when you get on the wrong path. I don't love you any less when you're not here. I hurt a lot more for you. Because I care. Like a father cares, I feel like God has given me that response. And when I see Satan hindering you, and I see him getting the upper hand on you in your life, and I see so much potential, and I see that what Christ could do through you, and yet it's not. Paul says, wow, you know, don't you understand? He says in verse 12, what? <laughs> that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. How do we walk worthy of God? Well, folks, there's only one way we can be worthy of him, and that's within the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at that in great detail. So we can't dwell there longer today. He'll tell you all kind of things, but ultimately it's this, if the world, is going to see Jesus Christ. They're not going to see him in his flesh in this world. But they should see him in your flesh in this world. Why did he say, greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father? Because he was no longer confined to one fleshly body. He would live and dwell in each and every one of you. So we looked at that passage of how Satan hinders the Christian from being consecrated, for being more like Jesus Christ. He doesn't want. You better realize, Satan doesn't want. I don't care if it's the person that lives in the same house, the person you work with. I don't care if it's somebody that you go to school with. He does not want you as a believer to be set apart for Christ, that Christ might be seen in your life, that that person might see Christ through you. He'd rather you look more like the world and just kind of blend in and not be noticed. But you can go back and listen to that. He'll tell you all kind of things that it's not really necessary. I mean, after all, you've said the prayer. You're going to heaven. You're not, you don't have to worry about anything else. He'll tell you it costs too much. You don't want to have to sacrifice those friends, that fun, all those things that the world has to give you. He'll tell you that you don't have time for all that Bible reading and going to church and studying. He can even tell you that let somebody else do it. <laughs> let somebody else do the witnessing and the sharing. I'll just be a 
Christian and get on through this life. You need to realize there's only one person that's trying to hinder you from doing that. You need to realize that it's your enemy. And I want you to realize something, and this really carries back. I said everything hinges back. You see, the first thing that we looked at is for the lost person. He wants to hinder you as a lost person. He wants to hinder you from coming to Christ, but he wants to hinder the Christian. He wants to hinder us from carrying out the commission of Christ, which is to get that truth to you, to get that gospel to you. Why is that so important to Satan? Why would he care whether or not that you take the Great Commission seriously? Why would he care whether it's with your life or whether it's sending those missionaries out there? Why would he care? Well, because he knows in Matthew chapter 16, when the commission was given, when Jesus said, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I know we read that passage last week because this was the words that Jesus gave them after he rose from the grave. Verse 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, we t- they have to hear the gospel before they can believe it. If they don't believe it, then they can never, ever, ever be saved. Ephesians chapter 6, when we read our passages there, do you understand the whole context of that passage. Look look back there just a moment to Ephesians chapter 6 again. Notice that we began, we began up there in, in, in verse 10. And as we and as we read about being strong in the Lord in the power of his might, putting on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of Satan that he might bring against you. What is the reason? All those next verses is telling us the kind of battle we're fighting and the armor that we need to put on. And then notice what he says down in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That sentence doesn't stop there, by the way. Punctuation is important. It's a colon. It's not a full stop. The thought carries on. Taking the helmet of salvation, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, taking the Word of God. That is our instrument. That's the only thing that we can defeat the enemy with. And when we take the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, listen, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, not just praying for ourselves, but praying for each other. But there's a semicolon there. The thought still doesn't stop. The thought carries on. We take the Word of God. We're praying just not only for ourselves, but for each other and for me, and for me, and praying for me also that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bond, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's all one sentence. Do we grasp and understand that's what the enemy wants to stop. He wants to stop souls from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not want anyone to be saved. Why is it that we need to be strong in the Lord? Why is it that we need to work in his power? Why is it that we need to put on this armor to stand against the wiles of the devil? So that you can't be an effective witness. You see, That's what he wants to come against you more than anything is to stop you from being a witness for the Lord. And you need to grasp and understand, how might he do that? He does it in so many ways. I had a list of Ds, discourage, depression, defeat, despair. You can look at any of those things. But instead of the Ds, I want to give you a few Ps this morning, okay? What will Satan use? We need to grasp and understand everything that we're looking at here. Don't lose sight. The reason for the spiritual battles that we're in, the only reason that we're fighting Satan in the first place is because Jesus come to seek and to save that which was lost and he came to heal, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
They're at odds with each other. It's all about the souls of mankind. Do you realize that even being a strong Christian, yes, you want to be approved before God one day, but the greatest effect of a strong Christian, of a Christ-like Christian, is that other people will be saved. Other people will see Christ. Other people will know Christ. That's why we need to be strong Christians. That's why we need to be strong churches, not to impress everybody else with our numbers and our programs and everything else that we might effectively carry on the work that he's given us to do, which is going into the world with the gospel message. That's what Satan wants to stop. And that's what Jesus has told us to do. But he said he'll go with us right to the very ends of the world. He said all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power is his. That's why we go in his power. What will he use to stop you? Well, let me just give you a couple of things real quick. Look at the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. The gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Now, this was Jesus Christ himself, okay? I mean, sometimes you think that you're above these things. Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew chapter 16, notice what happens beginning here in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. I want you again to look at the focus. When Jesus began to teach his followers the gospel, that what he had to do was go to Jerusalem, be nailed on that cross, to die that death, to raise the third day. When he began teaching them that, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, who? Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. How many today are savoring the things of men, the things of this earth, more than the things of God? Jesus, I mean, Hey, Peter, I mean, I know, he's, he's probably the most human of all the apostles, wasn't he? He was always opening his mouth and inserting foot. He was so human, though. I mean, we can all look at it sometime or another. We can say, oh, yes, <laughs> that's Peter in me. <laughs> but here, Peter's heart, you see, in fact, Peter was speaking from his heart. He didn't want his Lord to be killed he didn't want him to go through those things that he was talking about going through. He was speaking sincerity from his heart, but yet the thing he was missing, God's will is more important than his wishes, his desires. Even when it came out of sincerity of his care for Jesus Christ, Lord, these things can't. But Jesus had to rebuke him, said, get thee behind me, Satan. It was still Peter that was standing there. But Satan's the one that wanted to hinder Jesus Christ going to the cross. <laughs> Satan was trying to use Peter and even his love and his emotions and his feelings for the Lord. Then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To Peter, he said, you're not savoring the things of God. You're savoring the things of men. He says to all of them then, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, for what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Folks, I don't know. I don't know how that we can ever, ever, Get that message across. We spend so much of our lives savoring the things of this world, the things of men, rather than the things of God. We spend so much of our lives building up the things of this world, building up those things that we have down here. Jesus said, you got to be willing. <laughs> you got to be willing to turn your back on all that and just follow me. Follow where I lead you. Follow where I take you. Follow where I go. And I mean, the path that he followed was through Jerusalem and the cross. 
the resurrection. Today we follow. We died with him. We rose with him. But are we following him with our life after the resurrection? You see, he's the risen Savior that lives within us. I'm saying to you, what will Satan use to hinder you? To hinder you? What will Satan use to hinder you from carrying out the commission that Christ himself gave to us? He'll use people. (laughs) He'll use the people closest to you, the people around you, the people that you care the most for. He'll use anybody that he can. And, folks, the truth is he can use the people that you care the most about far more effectively in your life than the ones you don't know and the ones you don't care about. He'll use the people. But he not only uses the people, and I, and I, just, I just turned and highlighted, and, 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 and I'm going to read you. I'm just going to read you a lot, and I want you to listen because what greater example than to go back to the first church in Acts? <laughs> I mean, there, that's, that's where all this, all this led to. If you go back to, to Acts chapter 4, I want you to notice, you see, this is after that Peter's preached, that same Peter that we just read about, that same Peter that Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That's the same Peter that then denied the Lord, that tried to fit in with the crowd three times before the cock crow. That was the Peter that was following Jesus that was just trying to to blend in with the world. But it was the same Peter that stood on the day of Pentecost and he preached the word of God and 3,000 souls came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care what your past is. It's what are you doing right now? What does God want to do with your life right now? And what is Satan trying to hinder in your life right now. There is one thing I'll guarantee you. He does not want you to do anything about getting the gospel message to this world. Now, after Peter had done all that, I want you to notice in in, in Acts chapter 4, I want you to notice what happens here because you see, he doesn't just use the people, no matter who they are, even the closest to us, but he uses the powers of those people, the power of over those people, the ones that are, that are in control that, that you're in subjection to in this life. He says in chapter 4 here, and as they spake unto the people, they're speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. There they are, preaching that gospel again. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. So it was evening time. They grabbed hold of them. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. They got them. They stuck them in the hold. In other words, they put them in, in, in jail for the night. But a lot of those had already heard the truth. They believed. And the number of men was about oh, 5,000. Satan's trying to hinder. Satan tried to hinder Peter from ever getting to Pentecost. Now, since Pentecost, he's trying to hinder the gospel being preached here. They've thrown him in jail, but yet what he's already preached, another 5,000 at least come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because the truth was preached. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Anus the high priest, it was all those people in authority You see, this is all part of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin was the ruling council and the Jews. They were the ones that judged these people, and they were made up of all these different Sadducees and Pharisees and priests. And Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were the kindred of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What in the world are you doing? What power is it? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the important man, by what means, the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? They're upset because this guy has been healed. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. 
This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. <laughs> they had been thrown in jail the night before for preaching this. They wonder what power they're doing in it. They're doing it in the power of Jesus Christ, and you better know that's the only way that anybody can be saved. That's the only way that you can be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness, what was it? What was it that Paul was writing about putting on this whole armor that he might have the boldness to preach the gospel, that he might have the boldness to share Jesus Christ? When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. These, these guys ought not to, to be able to have this kind of influence over people. These guys, they, they haven't been to our best universities. They don't, they don't have all these credentials. What in the world is going on? They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. <laughs> they may not have had the world's credentials. But these guys have been with Jesus. There was something different about them. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? How can we stop these guys? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in, this, in his name. In other words, the powers to be, the ruling powers, the ones that they were subject to at that day, they said, okay, we can't really convict them for what they've done, but we can threaten them that they don't do this anymore, that they stop this preaching, that they stop telling people what they're telling them, that they can't speak in this name anymore. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. So now the whole government, that they, the powers that were, that were above them are saying, you can't preach anymore. You can't preach in the name of Jesus. You can't work in this power. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I can't do anything else. I mean, folks, this is where they are even even when the very powers that have control over their lives are saying, you can't do this. We're going to stop you from doing this. They said, we can't help but do this. We cannot do anything else. We have to proclaim his name to this world. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old, whom the miracle healing was showed. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. In other words, we've been told that we can't, uh, we can't go down there and pass out tracts in the city center anymore. We've been told that we can't preach the gospel. We've been told that we can't do anything in the name of Jesus. <coughs> And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ or of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. They were all tried to stop him. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done, <laughs> God already had the plan in place. God was the one. They wouldn't be doing anything if God weren't the one that was allowing it. Oh, you guys think you're in control. <laughs> They think that they've got it all. They don't understand. God's plan is in place. And now, Lord, they're praying, remember. Behold their threatenings. And granted to thy servants 
that with all boldness they may speak thy word. I know that all the powers of governing above me are saying we can't do this, but Lord, we're coming to you. We're praying to you. We put on the whole armor of God. We take up the sword and we pray that we might have boldness to proclaim that truth. That's exactly what they're doing right here. And guess what? Ephesians hadn't even been written yet, by the way. <laughs> they're saying, Lord, help us by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Listen, I'm not, it's not my job this morning, but there's an awful lot of people out there that tell you that you don't have the Holy Spirit if you don't do this and don't do that, that the sign of having the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's really gonna be the sign is they're gonna see Jesus in you, praise God. That boldness is gonna come out in his name. You can put all kinds of things in this flesh. They don't prove that God's got control of your life. But when they're seeing Jesus in your life, when despite all the powers coming against you, saying that you can't, yet you're going to speak the word of God with boldness. And guess what happens in verse 32? And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, of one soul, neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. They were defying the powers that were supposed to be controlling them. Now, we are, folks, and that's part of what they said a while ago, we are to be subject to the powers to those that are in authority over us, but not against the ultimate authority, not against God's authority. You know, even Jesus, even Jesus made allowances for paying his tax to a government that wasn't even his own, that were a domineering government, but not when it goes contrary. You see, Jesus told them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned. You see, that's why Satan, everything that he does is to hinder people being saved, people coming to know Christ. And if you read on down, you'll find that they continued, they continued, they continued to proclaim the gospel. We're going to look at some other things because there's other hindrances because I can't, I can't place too much importance upon this. You know what? I would go too far as to say this. Now, you might get tired of it, and you may not like it, but if, if I stood in this pulpit until my dying breath and the rest of what I preached until then was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and our responsibility to give that gospel to every living creature on this planet. I can never say it enough. I can never say it too much. Folks, we need to get back to reality. We're in a spiritual battle. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, and I do pity you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you have no power against the enemy. You may have the greatest strength in all the world, may have the biggest armament that man can have, but it's not flesh and blood that's your enemy today. There's one that wants your soul. There's one that wants you for eternity. And he'll do everything he can to hinder you, to blind you. He'll put thoughts in your mind. He'll get you any way that he can to get your eyes off of Jesus, to get your heart off of him. You better understand, there's only one enemy that's wanting to destroy you like that, and his name is Satan. Christians, do we really understand? Satan, Satan will hinder us. Satan hindered the Apostle Paul. Satan will hinder you. But we need to know our enemy. That doesn't mean that we have to be hindered every day of our lives. You see, Paul overcame those hindrances, and he did get there, even though that Satan had gotten in his way, and even though there were some battles to fight. God's given us the means. The same apostle that God used to fight those battles for them. 
use that same apostle <coughs> to pin to us what we need to fight those, those same battles today. If you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ. I can't do more than appeal to you. If you walk out those doors, you need to walk out with the knowledge of understanding and knowing that there is nothing in this world except that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for your sins. He paid for those sins. He atoned for those sins. He's the one that when they put him in the grave, he's the one that led those captives free. He's the one that rose the third day victorious over death because death was the wages of sin where he paid for sin. Sin couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. He was victorious, and he's the one that gives you that same opportunity today, but that's the only way that you can get to him is by humbling yourself and throwing yourself at his mercy, asking him to save you and forgive of your sins because what Jesus did, not because of what you're going to stop doing or what you're going to start doing, because of what Jesus did for you. Satan wants to hinder you from doing that, and Christian, you need to understand we're here today. There's some not here today. I have absolutely no doubt that some of these empty seats are because Satan hindered people from being here. They should have been here. They should have heard what God had for them today, but Satan did not want them to hear that. But we are here. We are here, thank God. And we need to understand, Satan wants to hinder you. If you're lost from being saved, but Christian, he wants to hinder you from your life bringing anybody else to Christ. Yes, in being consecrated to Christ to where that they can actually see Christ in your life, but then in going to this world, the commission that God has given us to carry the gospel message, there is nothing more important with your life. And I'm going to ask you today, what are you doing with the life that God has given you? I'm not asking you that to be mean. I'm not asking you that because I want you to be a pauper and just have no fun and no joy. I want you to have the most fulfilled life that you can possibly have. I want you to have that peace that passes all understanding. I want you to have a joy that is unspeakable. You won't have that away from God. And God has said, obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. He said, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. That doesn't mean just preaching from the pulpit. That's proclaiming that gospel message to every creature, to every human being. Do you realize I don't care? When they looked at these guys, man, these guys hadn't been trained to do that. They don't have the credential. I don't care where you've been. God's not asking you to become a theological giant brain that writes all the greatest theological books of our time. God's asking you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. If you're saved, you can tell somebody else how to get saved. He wants you to be a witness. That's all he's asking at this point is to be a witness. That doesn't mean you don't need to grow. That doesn't mean that you don't need to be stronger. But I don't care who you are, where you come from, if you've been saved a day or if you've been saved for 100 years, it doesn't matter. Christ says go to the world with Jesus because if they'll hear that message, then they have a hope. They can be saved. But if they don't, then they will be damned for all of eternity. So today, I'm going to encourage you. We're going to sing a final hymn. And it just simply asks us a question. There's four verses to it. But it asks a question here today that I want to be genuine to each and every one. Who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side today? You see, if you're not on the Lord's side today, I want to invite you. I want to invite you. There, there, are, there are plenty of us here today that will gladly pray with you if you want to pray, that will answer whatever questions that you might have. There's nothing more important to us. So if you need to come and get on the Lord's side today, then please, please do so. But Christians, whose side are you on today? Honestly, you're not going to fool God. <laughs> he sees your heart. He knows it better than you. Don't deceive yourself and don't try to deceive God. Whose side are you really on? Don't say you're on the Lord's side if you're not doing anything, anything about the most important thing that he's given you to do with your life, bringing men to Christ. You say, preacher, I fail. Well, that's fine. You see, I'm not wanting you to leave here today 
all down and dragged and despaired and discouraged because you haven't done anything. I want you to leave here today excited about what you're going to do. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against all of his wiles and tricks that he might bring against you. You see, you can leave here today the same as you came in. You can continue to be defeated. You can continue to be hindered by the enemy. Well, you can make a commitment here today. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to fight this battle with him in his power and his might. You can do that right where you're sitting. If you want to come down and make that commitment, then sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll help you just to make that commitment with others and let somebody else pray with you. Don't try to keep it a secret. You can't keep it a secret. They couldn't keep it a secret telling others about Christ. Don't try to keep it a secret today, whatever you need to do. I think, Bethany, can you come and play the, uh, the hymn? I think Shelly's in the uh, children's church. Who is on the Lord's side? Father, we thank you today. Lord, I, uh, I wish in some way that, that we could get your message across in the way that you mean it, the depths of what is really there, Lord. But I pray today not by the words of this man, but Lord, by the power of your Spirit that you may take the words that we've looked at and read from Scripture this morning. They might find a resting place in hearts. Lord, I don't know who's here today Lord, they, they may have done all kind of things in their life, but if they've never genuinely been born again, please help them today. Please help them today to, to get that assurance to make, to make the right choice here today, not to leave here with that thing hanging. But, Father, we pray that you just work in their hearts and help them, Lord, to do what they need to do. And for every believer, Lord, I thank you for every one of your children here today. And, Lord, I know the kind of love that you have for them. And, Lord, our, our purpose today is not to, to point up how bad that we are. We already know that. We're worthless. The only way that we can walk worthy of you is to walk in Christ and not ourselves. Lord, that's what we want to do. So I pray that you speak to hearts today. Help them, Lord, to make that commitment in their lives. If Satan's been hindering them, Lord, he he hindered Peter, he hindered Paul, he hindered these great men. And if we're all honest, he's hindered us in different ways. So, Lord, I pray that he would not be able to hinder those here today, Lord, that need to make a fresh commitment to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.